Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Okay. Hi, everybody. It's Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And tonight, today, I have Sarah Kupfer from Fit Jewess. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Sarah. Um, I'm Sarah. I am 27 years old. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> this is um, a on Zoom. Right. Um, I am the founder of Fit Jewess, and I empower Orthodox Jewish women to feel comfortable in their bodies and develop a healthy relationship with um, food, movement, and their body through body positive and weight neutral health. I said body a lot of times right there. Um, with a specific focus on helping single Jewish Orthodox women um, increase confidence in the belief that there is a man out there who will love them as they are, whatever their shape or size. Okay, wow. Like, I just want to say that that is, like, so important because, like, as we know, there is, like, this stigma in the from community in the world at large about, like, you know, fat girls or big girls like don't get married or don't get dates and I really think that you are like the voice um and tell everybody like are you are you single (laughs) I'm not I'm engaged um I dated for 10 years I started super young but I dated for 10 years and I got engaged a couple months ago and we're trying to plan our wedding and all this corona madness um yeah So it's interesting that you, like your niche is singles, I guess. I was in it for so long. And I don't think that the reason I was single for 10 years is because I was fat. Um, I think that was God. Well, honestly, I can say with my fiance right now, there was zero chance in heck we would have, either of us would have agreed to go out with each other um, before this point in our lives. Um, He's so nothing that I was looking for. And I'm so nothing that he was looking for. But I, I just believe that this was my time. Um, but throughout the process, I definitely um, had far fewer dates than those who were in thinner bodies. And that's not to say that people in thin bodies have, you know, a fun, easy, simple experience. That's not what I'm saying. But I was constantly told by Sharkhanim, by family members, by friends, um, that I needed to lose weight in order to get more dates. So having gone through that and having worked on myself and having figured out what works for me and what doesn't work for me and actually taking my own journey of ditching dieting and finding freedom with food and, and, you know, accepting my body 
all happened while I was single. So I have that perspective of having gone through that journey at this stage in life. And I just feel, I just feel like I can relate very much, you know, with other people. And it was actually funny because I was talking, not funny, but I was talking to um, Faye from OK Clarity yesterday. Um, and she said, you know, she was asking me like, you know, why do you limit just to the, the single scene? And I said, really, what I think is going to end up happening is as I go through life and as I pass from one stage to the next, I think I'm going to end up opening up. Obviously, I like, I'm happy to work with any woman and it's, it's so not just single woman, but that's kind of where I focus um, in terms of marketing. And I think that as I get into the next stage of life and I you know, God willing at some point in the future, get pregnant and then have the postpartum experience. Like, I think I will take that with me and kind of, I think my clients are going to reflect my stage in life, but I guess we'll find out. Right. No, that makes sense to work with the clientele that you like most relate with. And then, and you dated for so many years. So you get like that. I mean, I, I didn't do the Chanel thing, but (laughs) from what I've heard, it's not like all that pleasant. No, to say the least. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question. So I've heard you on other podcasts and I I love your work, obviously. And I know that you openly say like that, like I'm fat or like you're comfortable with saying that. And I sometimes Mm -hmm. will use that word, try to neutralize it, even though like I know I'm probably offending people, but I'm usually not like referring to my own body when I say that. Right. So I could understand why that would like um, trigger someone else. So, but when, right. I guess when you're referring to your own body and you're, and you're neutralizing it, how, how do you get to the point where you're able to say that without it being like you're offending yourself or that it's something neutral? Okay. Definitely so many moving parts. Um, first off, I'm going to say that I do identify as fat and I do call myself fat. And that's, you know, having, that's based on years of being told that I was fat um, and being discriminated against or shamed for that. But I also want to acknowledge that I am what's called a small fat. So there are people in significantly larger bodies than mine. And um, my experience, as much as I have been shamed for my size, I also at the same time have a certain amount of thin privilege that they don't have. Like I don't have to think twice when I get into an airplane seat, like if it's going to you know, if I'm going to be able to close the seatbelt, um, that kind of thing. Wait, can um, for a second, do yeah. you make that differentiation because you don't want to like offend people who are considered like obese or they do have to? Con- I don't think it's a matter of, I don't think it's a matter of offending. I think it's a matter of invalidating their experience. Like I know when someone in a thinner body says they're fat, it makes me uncomfortable, not because nothing to do with, you know, offensive or the word itself and, or anything like that. But it's like, you haven't actually experienced the hurt and the humiliation and the shame and the rejection that comes with actually being in a larger body. So how dare you use that word? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that people in larger bodies than mine feel that way about me. And so I think it is important to, to kind of um, make that note usually like in in a general sense when i'm talking when i'm writing a post i won't specifically specify small fat because in the space that i'm in um my body is considered full on fat um mm-hmm. especially in the shit up world 
Um, but I think like, I like when I'm doing a talk or I'm doing a podcast, I like to make that differentiation because I think it's something that's not very, that people in the firm community are not familiar with. Um, and, and again, I don't want to like cause anyone else hurt by, by minimizing their experience being in a larger body. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So now that we put that out there, uh, what was the question again? So you, that you made the calling yourself fat neutral, you've neutralized it. Right. But what was the question? How did you go about doing that? Ah, um, I think it's just education. I'm, I'm a brain person. And if something makes logical sense with me, to me, then I can get on board with it. And so through my personal journey and my professional journey, I've educated myself about different concepts, like primarily health at every size, understanding what that means, understanding what it doesn't mean. Mm -hmm. um, and, and through all of that, I just came to terms with the, with the realization that that is a descriptive factor, the same way that tall is and short is, um, and black and white and I don't know, whatever else. So I'm comfortable using that. I'm gonna be really honest, and this is something that I've actually noticed in the last couple months, and it's something that I'm working on, but I did notice that when other people refer to me as fat, um, it still makes me uncomfortable. And at one point, it just, it just hit me, and I was like, why do I get so bothered when, you know, she says I'm fat, if my whole, if the whole, not the whole point, but a lot of the work that I'm doing is about neutralizing that term. And I think with everything in life, and we spoke about this in terms of a spiral, like I've come so far and there's still so much more to go. Right. Um, and I think that being open to those realizations and, you know, being comfortable exploring why did that make me so uncomfortable is, a place that I'm in now that I wouldn't have been in five years ago. Right. It's actually interesting that you said that because like, I've had this conversation with, I don't know where to look. Um, I've had this conversation <laughs> with, with my own therapist, like telling her, like, I have these where I don't feel comfortable in my own body. And I was also like way, way, way thinner before I started right. interview eating before I got married, you know, like all the things. And it's, it's definitely challenging and I'm like, how, like, I'm such a hypocrite. Like, how could I work with women on their body image when like, I, I have those days. And she was like, no, you're like the perfect person because you really get it. So yeah. to, that, to that point, I wanted to ask you, like one of the questions we were talking about before, um, what have you found is the most effective way to start loving or at least liking our bodies? Cause I, I know a lot of the posts on Instagram and I, and I totally agree with this, but I think it's important to like break it down and unpack it is like, uh, you don't have to love your body, but you could respect it or you could treat it well, or you could like it. Right. But how do we even do that when we're, when we've like hated on our bodies for so long? Right. So I was thinking about this. Um, and I think that the short and the really short answer is that there's no one answer. This mm -hmm. is the kind of thing that <laughs> like a lot of things, one size does not actually fit all. <laughs> um, and I think I could tell you for me personally, 
I think I actually, I, when I saw the question, you sent me the questions in advance. And I think I was, I was going to say, well, you know what? The truth is that really acceptance has to come before love. And I was thinking about it. I was like, my experience was really the opposite. I loved my body before I was able to accept it. And I think a big part of that is I did thank God always have a healthy self-esteem and self-confidence. And that came, I think, primarily due to my parents, like building me up and believing, believing in me and giving me those messages. And so I never doubted myself. And so I thought I was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that was I would look at, my, at myself in the mirror and I, I knew to focus on the parts that I love. And so I, even throughout high school um, and since ever since then, whenever I look in the mirror, um, I like my curves. You know, I like to quote Megan Trainer, like all the right junk in all the right places. Mm. Um, and I, I really do. That didn't mean that I, I, I really do. And I did. And that didn't mean that I wasn't also looking to lose weight. And so for me, I always liked my body. And I always knew that there was going to be someone who liked it, but I didn't really fully accept it. Um, and so again, as a brain, as an, a thinking person, um, like a brain type, I, for me, it was information. For me, it was doing that, edu um, doing that research, getting myself an education, asking a million and one questions, surrounding myself with the right kind of people who could guide me through this journey. Um, and at a certain point, it made enough sense for me to do the work to, to make that happen. I think for someone who doesn't have that experience of being comfortable with their body, um, or loving their body, I think acceptance probably is an easier step to work on because that means, like you said about the Instagram post, like I look to this day, there are, there are parts of my body I don't love and that's totally fine. We all have parts of ourselves that we're not totally okay with. That's life, not just, not just physically. Um, and so I think focusing on, can I respect my body? Like understanding what my body does for me how it serves me. Um, I also really like to look at the role that our bodies play in our lives. And um, I think I've spoken about this before, but from like a from perspective, I think a lot of times we get the message that our body is just the vessel for our soul. Um, and the truth is, it is the vessel for our soul, but it's not just the vessel for our soul in the way that we can discount it. And it's not important to us just because it serves a purpose. I think we have to recognize that. And, and Chevy Samet was actually the one I had a conversation about this with. Um, and she shared this idea with me. And she said, we have to look at it as without our body, our souls wouldn't have a place in this world. Without our body, we couldn't fulfill our mission. We couldn't do mitzvahs. We couldn't do anything that we're supposed to do here. And so taking care of my body is a privilege and it's a responsibility and an obligation um, for me, which is where the health piece comes in. Like, I don't think positive body image on its own is enough. I think the two need to go hand in hand. Um, and so I think unpacking that a little bit, like if, you know, if you've grown up with really unhealthy um understanding of what sneeze is and what modesty is and it's all about covering up the body and it's all about shame and you know discomfort then that's something that has to be approached so i think <clears throat> and if you're if you're not a brain person and like 
logical stuff doesn't mean anything to you and you're more an emotional person and a feeling person, then it is more about digging into the motions of it more. Not to say that any part can't be like, there's a lot of cross crossover between the two, but where's the focus going to be when I'm first starting this journey? And if, so again, if you're more of an emotional person, I think it needs to be a, why does it make me feel this way? And where is it coming from? And where did I get those messages? And are the messages that I received really the messages that were being sent? Or did I take them a different way or all of that kind of stuff? And so I think step number one is knowing how you process and knowing where your starting point is um, and then going from there. Yeah, so you're talking a lot about like awareness, like just like learning about yourself and understanding yourself and are you a thinking person? Are you a feeling person? Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I also wanted to say one thing. I don't want to challenge mm -hmm. you too much. So like if you don't yeah. have answer, it's fine. But I a lot of my clients By the way, you always can. And if I either will just agree to disagree. Um, but I'm I'm totally fine with being wrong also. <laughs> oh no, I'm not you're not being wrong. I just don't know if you'll have an answer because it's not your experience. Okay. But most of my clients, their negative body image comes from their parents. So they have yeah. this deep seated like these deep rooted um feelings that they're not good enough because they were told like you can't be fat or like you can't be you're not acceptable in that body whether it was explicit or implicit implied yeah. or not um so that's interesting though because like i think that that's where people really 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 struggle because it's really hard to accept yourself and do this work when you've been given a message your entire life that like you're just like not good enough you're not acceptable like that and it's like that's why intuitive eating is and health at every size is like really deep work because you're changing the core values and messages that you've been given since you were a child right so i am lucky and that isn't so much something that i struggled with it's interesting because i did struggle with that from a health perspective like i was put on my first diet when i was two like the doctor told my mom to watch out for my weight when i was two um, and it was, so for, my mother was very focused on making sure that we had a healthy lifestyle, um, which for me meant a lot of restriction around fun foods, um, which in and of itself is a whole issue. But for me, it was more about the health perspective than it was about the weight perspective, but they go hand in hand. But I definitely got messages from other family members um, that were negative. I'm just lucky that I didn't grow up with it every single day. Um, with that said, again, going back to how much of it was implicit, how much of it was explicit, how much of it was really, how much did we absorb it the way they really meant to give it? Mm -hmm. um, and I think as a, at a certain point, as an adult, we need to go back and we need to look at the experiences we had and we need to understand where the messages came from in order to let them go. Because holding on to those message, messages is not serving us. Um, and it is particularly, and, and at a certain point, you do move out. For most people who move out of their parents' home and they're no longer in that. So the work sucks and it's not fair. <laughs> um, it's not fair that this was something that was imposed upon you when you were a child at, you know, a really vulnerable age and that it's an experience that was, um, that has such a big influence but I think it's I think we should be mature enough to like acknowledge that and say what can I do about it um and I 
I feel like that totally just came across as not giving people enough um, credit for what they do. <laughs> um, meaning I know people are working hard on it and I'm no, I know no one's saying, um, totally stumbling over my words here, but my, my, my point is I agree with you. I most, that is where most of it comes from and that is where most of the work is done to unravel all of that and let it go. And that's not an easy process, right. um, but it's a worthwhile process. Right. I'll actually, I totally agree with you. And I think that that's what I try to do with my clients, like really often is like, try to get them to understand that, like, it might not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. Like, even though it's like right. a really hard thing, truth to learn, as right. adult, but it's also like really empowering because we could stay stuck in a victim mentality for our whole lives and blame other people for hurting us. And then we just hurt ourselves. And until we learn to, I guess, reject the diet mentality or reject whatever it, mentality is harming us, we can't right. afford. That's really painful. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to talk about your business. You, I know that you're doing other stuff now, but you are a fitness coach. I am. So, so I want to, I mean, I heard you talk a lot about like how that came to be, but I want to hear, actually want to talk about the importance of exercise and moving your body when it comes to like I say like embodying your body like because this is something that I recommend yeah. to my clients all the time like and Rena Reiser actually told me she's like um really like gentle dance or yoga could really help you with body positivity which I hadn't I don't know why but I had never heard that until she told me so I want to hear like mm -hmm. your take on it you know, this is so funny because you are officially the first person to hear this. Um, this was a realization that I had last week. Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to like go back to the business piece for a second. I am a CrossFit um, trainer and I was working with clients one-on-one -on -one in small group training to like just personal training CrossFit style. And over the last year, I've slowly kind of stepped away from that and made pivoted towards pivoted towards focusing on the coaching and the body image stuff more than the the movement. And I'm in a business fellowship right now, and I'm also working with a business coach. And so much of the last year has been spent on trying to understand why I'm having such a hard time letting the fitness go when this is the part that I love. And so even at the beginning of the fellowship, when we were mapping out our five-year business life goals, fitness was always a big part of it. Like, and when I say fitness, I mean specifically like the physical activity. I still want to have a fitness studio and all of that. Literally last week, I realized why I've been like holding on to it so hard. And it's because for me personally, being introduced to movement that I enjoyed was the start of everything for me. It was the start of this whole journey. I initially got into it um, just because I was supposed to, because I know that living a sedentary lifestyle isn't healthy. And I hate cardio. Um, not as much as I used to, but I'm not like, to me, I always associated exercise with going on the treadmill or step class or kickboxing. And I, those things are not something that appeals to me. And so when I read an article about CrossFit and I was intrigued by the weightlifting and I decided to give it a try and I totally fell in love with it, 
I was like, oh my gosh, this is something that my, that I love to do. And I feel so much better. I was feeling so much stronger. I'm a naturally really weak person. And suddenly I'm like deadlifting all this weight and pushing barbells overhead. And, um, I had much more energy. I had much more stamina. Like overall, I was just feeling so much better. And then I actually started working. One of my clients actually introduced me to intuitive eating. Um, she was my first client. And she kept telling me intuitive eating, intuitive eating. And I just like tuned it out because to me, it sounded like mindful eating, which is to me, what I thought it was, is like chew your food 30 times and don't read the back of, back of the cereal box right. when you're eating breakfast. And right. I was like, yeah, that's not for me. Eventually she got me into it. And through that, I got into intuitive eating and I got into up at every size. And then I started educating myself more and learning more and exploring more. And, and here I am today. And so I realized for me, that little movement piece was what started me on this whole journey. It's not about the exercise itself. It's about what the exercise represents and where it got me to. Um, I'm trying to remember why I said all that. Your question no, was... No, I want to hear how exercise and movement could help you like feel good about your body. Or oh, so, that, so that's what it is. So for me... There were so many things that I had wanted to do, but put off until I lost weight. Like simple things like going rock climbing or hiking or bungee jumping. There are a lot like, um, what's it called? Treetop trekking. That's still on my list. I haven't gotten there yet. But like, there's a lot of things that I wanted to do, but I thought I needed to lose weight first. Not like physically so I could go, but just so that my body would be able to handle itself. Like I'm carrying too much weight right now, right? I need to let go of some of that weight so that I could hike for 10 miles and not get out of breath. Or I could go rock climbing and not like, not physically be able to carry my body up. And so what movement did for me was I realized that my body is incredibly capable. And the only way to get to a point where I have more energy and I have more stamina is to actually start working on it. Throughout my entire um, CrossFit journey, I didn't lose weight from CrossFitting, but I got so much stronger and I got so much healthier and I had so much more energy that I just felt so much better about myself. And that for me is where the body acceptance piece really started. So for me, um, I literally just realized that this second, that exercise was what allowed me, what gave me the opportunity, what gave me permission to consider that my body's okay. My body's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. And I just need to learn what it can do and how it can serve me and how I need to serve it back. That's awesome. And I, I really want people to hear this, like my clients and anyone who's interested in um, intuitive eating and health at every size because I'm always encouraging people to like find joyful movement like movement that like I definitely had resistance to certain type of exercise but like when I started doing spin or when I started doing certain classes like like I hate kickboxing like I, I feel like I will die <laughs> but like I just so I just That's don't spin for me you cannot pay oh me God. to go to a spin class <laughs> so much like I I miss it like I literally miss it but people I, I know in the intuitive eating workbook which I have here um there's like a whole grid of like different ways that you can move your body and exercise but people who were like stuck in the diet mentality for so long they're so 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 resistant to it and yeah this is like so it's a you don't have to work up a sweat you don't have to 
um, feel like you're going to die. Like, I think that people have, I, I, I still feel like that sometimes like, oh, is this even worth it? You know, cause I'm yeah. still, like, I still have like diet mentality things that pop into my head, but like, it's just like you're saying, like you felt so much better and so much stronger and you didn't lose weight. Yeah. And there was just so much positivity that came from you finding movement that you enjoyed. Yeah. That's actually one of my biggest pet peeves when people like say things like, you know, it's not enough time to make it worth it, or it's not the right kind of exercise. You know how you go into a bookstore um, and if you go to the diet section, it's like a huge section of like a gazillion diet books with all different kinds of diets, each one contradicting the next and each one saying that they are the solution. So I feel like exercise is the same way. Like it's open up different fitness magazines or different health, women's health magazines. And you're going to see different people saying, this is the way you should exercise or this is the way you should exercise. And it's not true. Movement is good. Like maybe, maybe, maybe if we lived for a thousand years, there might actually be a benefit. I don't know, but maybe if like we lived for a thousand years and we needed to like work on one part more than the other, maybe, but like within a span of our lives, 120 years, like that's it just move, just feel good. If it's five minutes around the block, great. If what makes you feel good is an hour of spinning, great. If it's weightlifting, you know, for two hours, and just to clarify, when you weightlift for two hours, it's like you lift weights, you wait two to three minutes, you lift weights, you wait two to three minutes. It's not actually two hours of weightlifting, but, um, and if it's like a really quick 12 minute CrossFit style wad, like awesome, just move just move. There's no such thing as too little time makes it not worth it. That doesn't make any sense. There is, by the way, there is such a thing that too much, there's, I guess there's no thing as too much time, but it gets to a point where more time isn't more beneficial. That's just reality. Um, but there's no such thing that too little time is, is too little. Interesting. I have to also say this is, this has been one of my business ideas for so long and I love it so much. And I, I, I don't want to let it go, but I'm going to share it here because if someone else wants to take it and run with it, go for it. Just reach out to me first so like I can get a commission. Um, but I had this idea called the Joyful Movement Tour, and it's something that, who knows, maybe I'll still do one day down the road, but it's a six-week program um, that for a small group of women, so it would be like six to eight women, a really small, intimate group committed to going once a week to work out together. Um, the first 30 minutes is focused on like body positivity and, and body acceptance and that kind of work. And then it's a one hour um, fitness class, but every week is at a completely different location. So like you would have like, um, you could have a spin class, you could have a pole dancing class, a yoga class, a bike riding on the beach, a rock climbing, and a CrossFit class or weightlifting class, whatever it is, but six totally different types of exercises just to get you into the mindset and understanding that there are different kinds of classes and that some are going to make you feel amazing and some are going to not, you're not going to love. You might even hate them and that's totally fine. But I think for so long, we've just been conditioned to believe that this is exercise. And if you're not doing this, it's not worth doing it. Um, it's like someone, a mother once said that her daughter was on the, um, what's that thing called? The dance machine for like 60 minutes. 
having an awesome time. And then she gets off and she looks at her mother and she's like, Ugh, I'm going to go on the treadmill for 30 minutes now because I have to exercise. Uh, yeah. This 60 minutes you jumped on the dance machine is exercise, but we don't process it that, like, that way because exercise is not supposed to be fun. Right. Guess what? It is. Right. Totally. If it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. Right. Um, with that, I need to say like, there are times where you're not going to like be in the mood and that's fine. You don't have to go. And there are times you're not going to be in the mood, but you know, it's going to make you feel better overall. And you are going to push yourself. Not every single time you go to the gym, are you going to absolutely love it? And that's fine. I, my rule is like, as long as you enjoy it 80% of the time, there's nothing wrong with pushing yourself the other 20% of the time, but also knowing that you don't have to. No one, like, there's no exercise, please. Um, and, and so what I really encourage people to do is most cities have class pass or most gyms offer like a one free one week or a free class. And I really, really, really highly recommend that people check them out. Give yourself like one month, go one or two times a week to a different studio every week and see what you like and then sign up for the gym that you like you know, That's a really good idea. Or unless you're doing it at home, try out different right. stuff at home, whatever. Well, so my, one of my clients told me now that the Peloton app is like free because of Corona. So yeah, you really? know, like, yeah, for like 30 days. So I want to, I definitely want to try that. But, um, I was actually, that's a really good idea for the women to do it because I think that the community really helps. Like if other women are trying it, number one, yeah. that's a really good idea. Number two, I was thinking like, I'm not a I'm not a personal trainer, but I was thinking about like maybe one day, like I definitely want to get my spin certification because I love it. But like, I think that like incorporating movement into my sessions would be like really cool. Wait, I have a question. I know this yeah. is a really dumb question, yeah. but like, why do you need a certification to teach people how to spin? Because you need one? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like something like yoga or weightlifting, I hear, because there's like actual is there is there technique for spin no but there is a like a certification that my gym requires you to have no that i get that i get but that's just a money-making thing <laughs> yeah it's just a money-making thing i don't know but oh also i could use it for credits for my rd i think like anything oh, okay. yeah so like that's right. on the line but it's worth it <laughs> yeah but i was thinking like incorporating like movement into my sessions with my clients like because That'd actually, be cool. just, yeah i was just listening to a podcast today i don't remember what it was but i'll find it and she was coaching another woman to for on her podcast that's what she does she like coaches women to help them build their podcast and so the woman who she was interviewing was saying that she went to a fitness class that was like yoga but also like script, scriptures because she was christian yeah. and she and i was like oh my god like that is the because i i was interviewed on um, jewish latin princess and mm -hmm. she asked me, when do you feel most spiritual? And I said, when I, on the spin bike. And my husband heard that, like he listened to the, to the interview. He's like, that is so weird. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then like a few weeks later, I had a bunch of girls over for Shal Shadis and they were talking about going to um, that famous spin uh, studio. I forget what it's called. Like everyone does Soul it. Cycle. Soul cycle. And she's like, oh my God, it's so spiritual for me to be on spin. I'm like, I told you. And, um, basically when I heard that podcast today, I was thinking like, I think that when, like we all know that there's like this 
when we move our bodies, like we can experience some sort of like spirituality or like getting in touch with ourselves like we were talking about. But I think that it's not always like utilized. And right. that could be really cool. Yeah, that could be yeah. like a really cool way to, I don't know, just like get in touch with your body. I also do like tapping with my clients, so like EFT. So yeah. that's also like anything. And like we were talking about before, like with Judaism, like we do a lot of physical rituals. Like we believe in putting on tefillin, shaking an esrog and a lulav, like um, lots of like physical rituals because we believe that like the motion helps mm-hmm. like get you in yeah. touch with your spirituality. So I don't know, it's just, it's really interesting. And I think that because of diet culture and because of people's negative relationship with their body and with fitness, they are kind of like stuck because they don't want to explore this. It makes a lot of sense. It's interesting. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so I think you're giving me a lot of, like, ideas. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I want to ask you one more question. So mm-hmm. I know, like, even for me, like, I started to blog on Project Proactive about, like, different, like, things going on in my life, and you talk, like, so openly about, like, sh- shit updating, and before you were engaged, so I feel like there could be a lot of, like, judgment or people saying, yeah. saying negative things. <laughs> <laughs> I was always, like, every time I wrote an article, I'm like, I am kind of their proof, but I'm still going to say it's not true. <laughs> like, I'm 27 and single. Like, I'm 27 and fat and single. So, like, their point is that you should probably lose weight, but I still stand by it. And, and now I'm 27 and engaged. Um, so how did you, how did you, like, have the strength or courage to be, like, so vulnerable about, like, this is a really painful topic. Like, how did you? Because it's my truth. I believe it's so- not my truth. It is the truth. I really, really believe very strongly that God is the master matchmaker. And I cannot say that I have the strongest like Amuna in all areas of my life. But in this area, it was such a no brainer to me. The concept of Shadokha makes zero sense to me. I do not understand how you take two human beings who do not know each other and they want there's just this weird sort of chemistry and they want to get married. That blows my mind. And so to me, the only way it's possible is if God is orchestrating it. Um, and so I just, I, I just always felt very confident that when I'm supposed to get married, when it's my time, he's going to send my person my way. And with that belief and the understanding that my Mr. Right exists and the understanding that I am doing what I need to do for my health to take care of my body um, in the best way that I know how. I don't see how it could be any other way. I don't believe, I do, I've said this before and I'm sure we've spoken about it. I do think that um, fatter women get fewer dates, but they don't get fewer marriages. So, all right, so I didn't get extra dates. Like, yay, less emotional investment and heartbreak and like, burnout you know what I mean um so for me it was for me personally was kind of a no-brainer that doesn't mean that it didn't hurt and that doesn't mean that I didn't have days of insecurity I did I definitely had my moments of like I know someone will love me and I know someone will love my body but like will they really like for sure for sure because that's normal human nature um but I think I guess the bottom line is that like my belief and my confidence was stronger than the insecurity. And I didn't ignore the insecurity. It wasn't like I pretended it didn't exist. 
it was just acknowledge it. Let's take a step back. What do I know to be fact? What do I know not know to be fact? Where am I? Okay, let's move forward. Uh-huh. So you really do have that like logical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah, I'm not so I'm not like really that type at all. But um okay, actually I do have another question. Um mm-hmm. so I know that you coach single women to help them feel, I guess, beautiful and confident. And I don't want you to like give away your secret sauce, but what is like what is like your main, like, like for women who have been told like you won't get dates because you're fat and they're like so tempted to go on a diet, but we know that diets don't work. Like what's your, like, how do you work with them? What's like your biggest takeaway with them? Like, it really depends on the person (laughs) where they're at in their journey and whether they're more emotional or more intellectual, you know, like if they're more intellectual, I will share more of the education first because I find that helpful. Um, if not, we'll dive straight into the more emotional stuff. Um, I think one of the biggest, I'm trying to think like debate between, between the two, but I, I, I really think one of the biggest pieces is being able is, is the exercise of acknowledging, um, all those experiences that we had that related to our weight, whether as an adult or as a kid, um, understanding where the message came from, understanding, hold on, let me just think how to phrase this. Do you edit this? <laughs> like, can you just cut out all this empty space? You don't have to. Um, I'm still learning how to edit. Who's ever yeah, like- it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I think it, it's so. So a big part of it is being able to acknowledge what experiences I had, what messages I got from it, and acknowledging that. They're just other people's misunderstanding and misconceptions of reality. So um, trying to think of an example. Let's say this is a total side note. I don't know why this just jumped into my brain, but I'm just thinking of like all those times that people t- like I lost weight and people tell me, you look amazing, just five more. And I'm like, it's never enough. It's right. always just five more. Right. So that's like, that's one of the loudest messages that I got. Like, no matter what, you know what? Maybe that's a good one. Oh my God. Maybe that's why I'm a perfectionist because nothing's ever good enough. Um, one of the messages- I'm really learning a lot here on this. Part. Yeah, right? We should do this more often. <laughs> no, but one of the messages that I always got was, you look great but you'd look even greater if you were thinner. Um, And it is a message that exists in our world. It is Mm. a message that exists in society. Um, And so this is the message I got. What does it mean? And how can I, not not even what does it mean, but how can I let it go? I don't know, there's there's way too much. No, no, I- Work here that I'm not like, you can't cut it down into that, but yeah. I, don't know. I hear a common theme that you're talking about today, which is um, 
we are given messages from our family, from our society that we absorb by osmosis. This is like what I always talk about. Yeah. With my and then our job is to sort of take like a, the drawer with all the stuff in it and dump it out and decide like, is this helping me? Is this harming me? Why is it harming me? Why is it helping me? And like, like I talk about this all the time, like an eating disorder is the thing that's actually saving the person at the time. Like we know that. Right. So even though it's killing them physically, it's the thing that's either giving them attention in their family, giving them a sense of control. So it's the same thing with any negative belief system that we have, it is obviously serving us in some way. So you're, you're sort of asking your clients to um, logically, like even if, they, even if they are emotional about it, logically like depict where they're getting stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I was debating between like talking about that and talking about something else. This is a little bit more specific, but this is actually one of my favorite exercises. So I am actually going to give it away. Um, and if you want to, you know, whoever's listening, run with it. I promise it works. Um, this is, I, I, it's on the top of my mind because you specifically brought up parents. Like a lot of the message we get, messages we get are from our parents. And this is something that I was um, actually just did recently with somebody and, and she was really surprised by how helpful it was. And I had her, this is someone who actually already did a lot of work on intuitive eating and she's already a few years in and she's fine. She's accepted her weight. Um, meaning she's ex not that she's accepted her weight. She's accepted leaving go of diet culture. So diet culture is not in her life, but she has not yet been able to accept that this is her body the way it is forever. And so we were talking about why is that in a big, big, big part of it. Um, is the fact that her parents always told her she needed to lose weight. And she always felt like if she gained weight, she would lose their love. And she still feels that way now. Um, and we're talking about an adult with kids. Mm -hmm. So I said, I want you to write them a letter. And she said, we just got into like a good place. Like, I'm not going to start writing a letter to them now. I'm like, no, 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 you don't need to give it to them because it's not about them. You're not, you're not looking to change anyone else's mind. All you need to do is help yourself. I want you to write them a letter. I want you to tell them how you feel. Put everything down there, including the parts that you feel like you're going to lose their love, all of that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She did that. And she's like, this feels great. I'm like, okay, step two. Now you're going to write a letter back to yourself. You're going to write a letter as if it was your parents writing to you exactly what you need to hear from them, including the fact that they always loved you even when you were fat, when you were fit, like no matter what your size, they always love you and they will always love you. And I think at the end of the day, parents do, they do, they want what's best for their kids. And if they feel based on society's beliefs and based on the messages that they're getting, that you're going to be better off if you're thin, then they just want you to be thin because they want you to be in the best possible position in the world, like for yourself. It's totally, um, miscommunicated <laughs> and misunderstood but she did and she now has this letter so in those moments where she's making a decision or in those moments where she's feeling like she's experiencing she sees a picture of herself and she's like I really hate that picture and she knows that if she thinks about that it's gonna suck you know it's just gonna like kind of kill the day and it's I'm over dramatizing a little bit, but 
for some people that is their experience. Um, she now, and, and the reason that it's going to happen is because she gets, she goes down that spiral of like, oh my gosh, I look so fat. Oh my gosh, I am so fat. Oh my gosh, my parents are not going to love me anymore. Oh my gosh, what if I gain more weight because I'm not on a diet? Then they're really not going to love me. Mm -hmm. And then she pulls out that letter and she reads exactly what she needed to hear from her parents, which honestly is probably the way her parents feel if they were able to do the work that we're doing. Right. right? Um, And that's something that she uses to reference in those moments. That happens to be one of my favorite exercises. That's a really great exercise, and thanks for sharing. Um, also, you kind of like that's kind of like inner child work, like that I do sometimes with my clients. Like, um, it's like you write a letter to yourself, like as a child. Like you learn about like what like that's what I was what I said before was about like the messages we've absorbed from our parents is because from what I've learned from psychology, yeah, that we hear the voices of our like mother or whoever took care of us over and over. Yeah. So if like, like for example, I heard this in a parenting class that um, if you, you want to sort of like um, be annoying, like you kind of want to just keep repeating and keep repeating because like I heard the parenting teacher say like, if you say to your child before they're seven, when like the, when like, okay, I don't really know all the science behind it, but basically like your initial thought you could change until they're seven once they're seven you don't really get to change that first thought so if you say to your son mm-hmm. like after you go to the bathroom you gotta wash you gotta flush and you gotta wash your you gotta wipe you gotta flush you gotta wash your hands he'll be like a 90 year old man every time he's in the bathroom thinking what his mother's <laughs> so it, so like we don't we don't want to carry around the baggage that our parents give us but there is a lot of that voice in our head if we don't work on it so by doing a lot of this writing and really accessing that side of us can be really really powerful yeah and I want to add I think most of the time for the average person you don't even realize that these messages are there and you don't realize where the voices are coming from um and I think that that might actually be step one (laughs) to say let me discover what I didn't know exists um, because it was so long ago. We're so past that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that giving yourself permission to say, let me take a step back. Let me see where this is coming from is worth it. Totally. Um, okay. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you could just tell me. To anyone else or me. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you, but. Oh, okay. Um, if you could just tell us where we could find you. Sure. Um, Instagram at fitjewess. That's F-I-T-J-E-W-E-S-S. It's the easiest, quickest way to find me, reach me, all okay. that fun awesome. stuff. And I'm going to put all of that stuff in the show notes. Okay. Thanks so much for coming on today. Awesome. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. It was so fun. Even though it took like four to six months to get here. <laughs> Perfect. It was worth the wait. Okay, have a good day. Awesome. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.